Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm the guy they called Joe. I'm your partner. I'm the short one. The one that has to get on his toes to get up here. You why forgot, don't you, why you don't forgot, you lower this table? Come on. You forgot You forgot old. <laughs> I am old. I am older and hopefully wiser. <laughs> this, Des- is fun, this is fun stuff. This was a great interview. I'm excited about this. I am too. <laughs> Desiree Subsafe, which is a sandwich container, season 10, episode 13, air date of January 27th. 2019. Just the interview made me hungry. I started thinking about sandwiches. Every sandwich I've ever had. On an a- tell our list <laughs> tell our listeners on an average day, what time do you have your first bite of a sandwich typically? 9:15. That's that is <laughs> absolutely accurate. Some people call it breakfast. <laughs> Desiree goes in asking $50,000 for 13% of the company. Now, don't worry. I did the calculation for you. That's valuing the company at $384,000. That's the number I had in my head. Okay. (laughs) This is foreboding and tailgating. And anytime you throw a sandwich into a cooler and you want it to stay cold, but you don't want it to get uh, icy or water, soggy. (laughs) So it's a sub protection mechanism. Uh, At the time that she went on Shark Tank, she was selling these on her website for $17.95. They were right around $2 to make. Uh, She had done $40,000 in sales at that point. Um, She had put $37,000 in to start the business, and it was because her husband Adam sold his boat. That's right. (laughs) That's commitment. That's all in. Selling your boat. There was a patent pending uh, on the design um, at the time of uh, her going into Shark Tank, and uh, she had just gotten a call from, and I love when they do this on the show, the largest uh, sub chain in America, (laughs) but then other times they say it, you know? No, they're they're trying to be coy uh, and and protective. But so what was, happened? It was interesting. Um, the sharks were all over the board. Um, Cuban thought the name sucked, which was interesting. Lori loved the name. Uh, Lori was out. She used the "it's a product, not a business" yeah. excuse. And Mister Wonderful was very very intrigued with a possible uh, retail distribution deal. Uh, and Robert made an offer, but it was interesting. After Robert made his offer, I think he wanted more than 13%, but Sir Charles and Cuban, he grabbed Cuban and they swooped in and they offered 100000 for 25% of the company and they put the clamps down on Desiree and Adam. They said, you've got to make a decision now. And they did. They, they did the deal. They accepted the deal. All right. Well, let's go to our interview and uh, we'll see you afterwards to talk about everything we learned from this very talented entrepreneur. And while you're watching this, I'm going to go get a sandwich. 
All right. We are here with Desiree. Thank you so much for joining us on Outside the Tank. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So we watched the pitch and uh, we, we really uh, look forward to talking to you about it and hearing what happened uh, before, during and afterwards. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, where did you come up with 13 <laughs> percent? Um, we just pulled the number out of thin air because we were a brand new company and we had we didn't really have any sales or experience or much of anything to base it on. So we just uh, <laughs> kind of just prayed on it and meditated on it. And that's where we were at. And so that was had. If, if, if I recall, you had 40,000 in sales and uh, it, it seems like every you put everything you had into it. I, I think uh, you guys sold your boat. <laughs> we, did, we did. That has become our storyline. Um, everywhere we go, all the boat shows, the fishing, we, we are heavily involved in that market. I mean, that that is a big part of our market. So we do um, a lot of fishing shows and boating shows and Everyone is like, did Adam get his boat back? Like, <laughs> do you guys have a boat yet? And we're always like, we're really close. We're really close. I'm praying for you. Yeah, the um, we had a boat growing up. And I remember my dad saying the two happiest days in the world are the day you buy a boat and the day you sell the boat. But maybe the third happiest day is the day you buy your boat back because <laughs> out of the profits of your business, right? That I was going... When Tom and I were watching it this morning, I, I mentioned to him, I was in Cabo late last year for my 60th birthday, and we're out uh, trying to catch, you know, we're obviously bill fishing, trying to hook up with a marlin, but uh, catching some beautiful yellowfin tuna. And I went to grab the sub sandwiches that had been packed for us, and they were soggy. And I was like, ah, I could have used this. <laughs> oh. I feel like everybody has that story, even if it's not specifically the sub sandwich, it's the square sandwich, it's the whatever, you know, whatever was put this leftover pizza and it's just there floating in the cooler and getting all the ice disgusting. And yeah, everyone has that story. So we'll have a moment of silence for those subs in Cabo. <laughs> yeah, we, we did. We threw them overboard. We yeah. said a prayer through them overboard. <laughs> you can't, you just cannot eat soggy bread. I don't, if, if you can, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, so the, the episode aired January of 2019. When did you actually film the episode? We filmed in June, the prior year. So it was a full uh, six plus months since we, from the time of filming till we aired. And you go on the air, it airs, what happens? We always love asking this questions. What happens in those first 48 hours once the episode aired? Whew, a lot. It was intense. We, um, which I know people have different views on this. Some entrepreneurs choose to stay in the office on Twitter, capitalizing on everything. Um, we chose to have a party. So we had a party. We had all of our friends and family there. It was absolutely incredible. Um, but we were quick to go home and get a good night's sleep because for the next probably four or five days, we were spending probably 16-hour days in the warehouse getting the orders out. We do. We still, to this day, we handle our own fulfillment. So 
I think um, for some of the entrepreneurs who already had a 3PL in place, that they were able to focus on other things. But um, we were just focused on getting those thousands and thousands of orders out the door and making sure that they were done in a timely manner. How long were you in the tank? And uh, was there anything interesting or remarkable that didn't make air? <laughs> this is funny. We were, um, we were in there for 45 minutes. We know that um, about seven, I don't know, maybe seven or eight minutes of it is shown, but there isn't much that I can tell you because it was the first time I've ever blacked out completely sober. I just can't, <laughs> my husband and I, we spent days going back and forth trying to remember bits and pieces. And it, we both had the same experience. We were just so nervous. We couldn't, we couldn't recollect it you know, all of the conversations. Um, but I do know that there was a lot of banter going on and that really helped the situation from the moment we were in there, we were picking on them. They were picking on us. It was, it was kind of like a ping pong game and it was very lighthearted. So there was a lot of laughing and a lot of joking. Um, and thankfully, because this isn't everyone's experience, they were very sweet to us and gentle with, you know, Nobody told us to take it out back and shoot it or anything crazy like that. So it was good. <laughs> I think when you have a shark like uh, Sir Charles in the mix, he loosens everyone else up. He's such a gregarious. He, you know, I, I've actually been in his company on several occasions. He's actually a genuinely nice person who really loves people. So when you have a, you know, a guest shark on there, they're probably on their best behavior. <laughs> yes, yes. And Mark, and, you could tell Mark and Charles had already developed a friendship and sort of a camaraderie. And actually, Charles, as soon as we finished our pitch, he was the first one. He goes, that's a really good idea. And it was almost like as soon as he said that, it provided the validity, not only to us, of us saying, we can take that deep breath because Charles Barkley likes this product. But everyone else started, you know, Mark instantly said, he goes, yeah, you right. That is, that is a really good idea. Nobody's ever done this. Nobody thought to ever do this. And as simple as it might be, but nonetheless, it just, um, we, I, will, I won't ever forget that moment because everyone in the room kind of just relaxed a little bit, but mostly us. <laughs> tell us about, tell us about the, the time and energy that you and Adam spent on the pitch itself. Did you drill and rehearse ad nauseum? We did. We did. Um, you know, we we spent a lot of time. We, we had about a week's notice, I think, before we actually flew to L.A. to um, to start the process. So we went over it a lot. And, and our producers, man, we loved our producers. They really helped us uh, fine tune it and change things around to where we were both comfortable. And it felt um, natural the way we were talking because it was in the end, it ended up being our own words. So um, yeah. And then it's funny because we could, you know, they put us all in the same hotel leading up to it. So on each side of the hotel, we could hear, we never got to meet anybody um, or we never met those specific people, but we could hear the people on the left practicing their pitch the whole time. And we could hear the people on the right. It was, it's just really cool. I'm sure they could hear us. They were like, Oh my gosh. About soggy sandwiches again. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned 
you mentioned the design patent in the show. Have you been able to secure that or is that still pending? We have secured that. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I actually, um, we found that out on my birthday and it was, it was pretty cool. What going through that process of, you know, getting organized and, and understanding the business and preparing for everything and then ultimately going through it, what were some big lessons or takeaways for you guys? The shark taking experience specifically? Yes. yes. Um, one of the biggest lessons that I personally learned was just not to compare, not to compare my chapter one to somebody else's chapter 15 or 25. Um, it was really intimidating for me to be there initially and be speaking to some of the other entrepreneurs who are a lot further along and had a lot more um, impressive numbers to share and just the whole the whole process. I didn't fully understand social media advertising. I, we were just so brand new. We were we were three months old when we filmed for the Shark Tank, um, and I had never brought. I, I had run. Sorry. No, no, just to clarify, this is, uh, I don't think this completely came through to, to, to me at least. So you and Adam had zero entrepreneurial or business background going into this venture. I ran businesses. So I was in office management positions, um, but I had never done anything like this. So bringing a product to market and running a service business or an insurance agency as I had done, and my husband owned the cabinet manufacturing business, so he oversees employees. We both had business sense and um, experience, but we had never brought a product to market. We had never gotcha. marketed a brand new product that people didn't know. It's a lot easier to sell someone cabinets through word of mouth or insurance through word of mouth than it is to um, you know, launch a product. So all of it, the manufacturing, uh, every single bit of it, we were learning as we went. Gotcha. Yeah. Is there anything, I mean, you know, you went in there, you got your deal. Is there, is there anything you would have done differently or any regrets you have? Or looking back, knowing where you were at the time, are you pretty happy with how everything went? I'm definitely happy. We don't have any regrets when it comes to um, the way things played out. I don't know if you guys caught it, but we asked for 50,000 for 13% and they offered us 100,000 for 25%. So they actually, in this almost never happens in the tank, they actually gave us a better valuation than what we were asking for. Um, we ended up giving away more equity, but we ended up needing that. They were right, you know, Mark said, you're gonna need more cash and we did in the beginning stages. Um, so that, as far as that's concerned, we were, um, you know, no regrets, no regrets in the entire process. We truly feel like we got the two best sharks and we could not be more happy with our experience with them and our relationship with both of them. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really think, I think the only thing I would have said um, was when they were giving me a hard, giving us a hard time about our sales. I don't think they ever realized that we were only three months old. Um, I was telling them, okay, well, we didn't really have a marketing budget to play with. We put everything into this. We, you know, it's not like we had 20 grand to just say, okay, let's blow this out and boost some ads real quick or, you know, so, you know, everything was basically just done by footwork for us. 
And um, so that was the only thing. And then I think afterwards it came out in when we were doing our due diligence and they were like, wait a minute, we didn't realize how, how much of a you know new company this was. I'm like, yeah, you, you guys picked on us. So it, was, <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, you you did you did get a slightly better valuation out of them. You're right; that doesn't happen often. That's a good point. <laughs> no, no. I mean, they'll they'll give a higher spend, but usually it comes at a, a not as great of a valuation. Yeah, yeah, they take a bigger bite of the apple when they up their number. Right, right. You I thought it was right. interesting. Cuban originally uh, thought your name sucked. <laughs> he made that comment. I thought that was kind of unfair. And then yeah. Lori uh, liked your name. Um, and then Mr. Wonderful was intrigued with the possible deal you had with a retailer. But it was interesting when Sir Charles and Mark Cuban came back and said, here's the deal, but we need to know right now. They were trying to close you on the spot. I wonder what that felt like when they when they closed you. <laughs> it, it felt great. It took me a minute. I mean. I don't know how long it showed me pausing, but it, I, I felt like I paused for a good 30 seconds because I was really trying to wrap my mind around the fact that they gave, I was like, is it a mistake that they just gave us a better valuation? Like, <laughs> I, I you're, you instantly go into defense. Like, should I counter? And then I was like, I'm not going to counter this deal. This is incredible. But yeah, it was Robert wanted in, Kevin wanted in, but then he was like, Oh, what? Like he was kind of like, am I making a mistake? And so at that point, I was like, no, 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 you're not our guy. You're not our guy. But Robert really, truly did want in. And there was a lot of conversation back and forth. So I think that they were afraid that Robert, especially once they knew, once Robert knew that the two of them were in on it together, that it was going to become a competitive match. And, um, you know, I think Robert's great. But like I said, I couldn't be happier. with. No, you've got you've got two great sharks, but it was interesting in the editing, Robert, uh, they they showed Robert stall. He said 50% for, and then, you know, just question marks. And he never really got to the offer. And if he did make you an offer and it was edited out, it certainly, you know, wasn't obvious. It, it was just, he, he, he hitched on it. <laughs> yes. Yes. So he, he paid a lot of compliments and he was, he was really, really into it. And I just think he was trying to figure out how it placed. And I, I think he even said this when we're in the tank. I don't know if it was shown, but how it how it's going to fall into line and how he could help us too. you know, like what, you know, the, the producers thought that Lori was going to be all over this and they were shocked. They couldn't believe she wasn't like, yes, this is a bed, bath and beyond. Can't believe this type of this shape of food storage doesn't exist and you guys patented it and they they just thought that that was a slam dunk so Lori being the only one that went out kind of threw us all for a loop um and so I think that that was where Robert was having a hard time because he was like man like if Lori doesn't look at this as a house for a product then how am I going to help how, what am I going to bring to the table but thankfully and her, and her reason for going out was something around if I recall well it's a one product you know, it's one product. It's not really a business yet. And so, yeah, I, I think she kind of missed it. She kind of didn't get the uniqueness of this product. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and also I wasn't, a, I wasn't ready because we didn't have the patent yet. I wasn't ready to give away all my plans and secrets. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, like, we are not just one product now that the product works eight different ways. We have 
all different shapes and sizes. Everything is waterproof. We just launched uh, Subsafe Squared for square sandwiches. So I knew that I was reinventing Tupperware and making it better. And that was always going to be the plan. And it was always going to be intended for the cooler. So everything is watertight. But I wasn't ready to share all that yet. Um, and I knew that we were coming out with a wine product because that had already, um, that idea had already, you know, come about, but we were, you know, we had a long way to go and, and we're here now. But well, and this is the interesting part of the interview for Tom and I, I know Tom and I probably have another two or three, four questions to ask, but kind of walk us through the evolution to get to the eight products that you have now, including WineSafe, because the evolution of that product development, that's interesting stuff to us. Yeah, definitely. I just, I really wanted to keep adding on uses for the product. So it started with a three-piece set that either did a six-inch or a 12-inch, and now we have drinking lids, everything's interchangeable. So you can put a drinking lid on the base piece. You can, we have another cap for the other side. So now you can do two six inches. The two caps come together for a snack size container. We have a strap. A lot of people use our product as um, dry storage. So we created a strap with a carabiner clip and a bottle opener on it. So you can put your phone and your keys into it, um, hook it to your boat or your beach bag. So really, I mean, as it is had, a couple of them almost happened on accident, you know, where we were like, oh, wait a minute, that threading works with that threading now, and now we have this. And so it's been a really cool road. But the only thing I can say, I don't take credit for everything that we've created. I just listen to my customers. And I just think if if you, if it is an entrepreneur, you make a point to do that, you will, you will learn so much. And um, that's actually how WineSafe came about. We had um, wine reps who would travel around and bring the wine to restaurants and do tastings and they would have these coolers that they would tote behind them the, the rolling coolers and so I was told at two different shows in two different states by wine reps that they were using our product to put the wine bottle in so that the, the labels would not fall off in the cooler because once the labels get wet they fall off and they don't know what they're tasting and this bottle is the same as this bottle and it was a mess. So they're like, yeah, you know, we, we use your sub safes, but we also use, we purchased them for this because we use the large ones for our wine bottles. And it was like a light bulb just went off. We already knew that the wine fit in there perfect, but I was like, no, 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 no. I can, I can do one better than this. So now we have a full wine safe set that we offer too as well. Um, but yeah, just, I just, I'm a firm believer in, you know, not ever getting too big for, big for your britches and, honing in and asking your customers, what can we do better? How can we make this better? Do you have any ideas for us? And I promise they do. They will. <laughs> well, there's a lot of entrepreneurs and executives at companies that think they're so much smarter than their customers that they don't have to listen. And, <laughs> it, you know, we laugh, but it, it's the truth. And it's an arrogance and an ego, you know, just, just listen, you know, how are they using it? What do they like? What are they asking you about? Uh, engage with them on social media. Don't think that you're, you know, above them. Um, because of Shark Tank, do you get and, and find a lot of knockoffs popping up on Amazon? And have you had to fight them at all? Or have you been fortunate? So far, so good. Good. So we, we have not had anything that, um, no, so far, so good. So we'll see. It's been two years. 
and uh, we haven't had to go down that road quite yet. And we just pray we don't have to. What are some of the most effective ways that, that you market the product? I'm assuming social media, but is there anything else that just works really well for you? Um, we do some influencers and we work with influencers that, that has certainly helped a lot for us. Um, like I mentioned, we, we are just big in the voting world. <clears throat> Voters, especially, they just get it because when you do a lot of outdoor activities, so camping and boating, I would say, are a top two because you're packing your cooler to be out all day. You're not packing it for a soccer game or you're not packing it and you're packing it for longevity. And that is, that is where we come into play because all of our products are made to stand in the cooler all day without, you know, allowing condensation in or, you know, the, the melting from the ice in the cooler. So the, you air in, in January of 2019. So we're, you know, we're now over two years, you know, removed from that. What were, I'm just curious, what were those two years like? Is it just been, where's your focus been? Has it been on creating those new products and, and really growing the product line? How do you spend your time? What is your focus as an entrepreneur? Definitely that, definitely growing the product line, product development. Um, the first year, we had a lot of retail opportunities, which is incredible. We got into public, all the public locations. So we had, excuse me, we had tremendous growth right away. Um, we actually already had Publix before we aired, but it catapulted the sales and just caused them to, sorry, give me one second. Sorry about that. Um, roll out to all the stores. So it helped in their decision to do that because the sales were doing so well after we aired. So we spent the first year having a really hard time keeping up with the inventory. And um, we just could only get so much product in. And we had Publix, Wawa, and Bed Bath & Beyond all at once. And so we were constantly selling out Um uh, you know, it got to the point where a couple times there was just nothing available on our website. So that was the first struggle. I mean, you just, you can't know as an entrepreneur the proper amount of inventory to order in those beginning stages. You know, now I have it down. I know exactly how to forecast and prepare for the next three quarters. Um, but at that, that time, there was just, I couldn't even comprehend ordering that much product. I mean, how are we going to pay for that? <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's um, that was that was a huge learning curve for me, and just getting everything um, aligned. So that was that was year one. Um, I didn't focus as much on product development. I think we launched the extra cap. A lot of people asked, "Okay, I can do it this way or this way, but if I want two six-inch sandwiches, I need that extra cap." And so I think we launched that one in, in the first year, and then all of the other products have come um, year two and just maintaining, sustaining and coming up with new ideas. I was in the clothing manufacturing business for a short period of time and the toughest lesson was to learn just in time manufacturing and managing inventory and inventory uh, can kill you and almost sunk us. So I, I get that part of it. Tell us a little bit about assembling a team, some of your in, internal employees and external partners. What did you learn as you assembled a team around you? That was that was a big learning curve as well. Um, I mean, it's 
it's very difficult to get the right people. And I am, I've learned that I'm, I'm definitely a control freak. So I have a really hard time outsourcing things and I have a really hard time um, letting things go. So that has been, that has been a personal struggle for me. Um, just not being able to oversee everything. I can't be in the office. I can't be in the books and I can't be in the warehouse all at the same time. There's just no way. So um, yeah, we have it. We have a great team. Now we have four employees. Um, my husband, I run the business solely. Excuse me. So um, my husband does oversee some logistics and things, but he is still full-time at the cabinet business. So um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, challenging but i finally feel like we are in a really good place so my assumption is you you've kind of because i'm a control freak as well and to some degree tom you know we're both control freaks we love things to be perfect but is it is it can i make the assumption that you've kind of let go of perfect and some days good enough is good enough (laughs) that's exactly it that is exactly it it's um you know i i have a good friend who is owns a very large uh, drinkware brand. And he was telling me that, you know, our first product was a major fluke. You know, it, it was it was on accident, but then it had all kinds of issues. And, you know, we, we grew and evolved from that. And I just try to remind myself that and like, it's okay for us to make mistakes. And it's actually really important for us to make mistakes because otherwise there's no growth happening. So yeah, there have been plenty. <laughs> yeah. What are, the, what are the, I was just going to ask, you know, what, what are the next 12, 18 months, 24 months look like for the business? Are you really focused on innovation of new stuff? Uh, you know, where, where is your time going to be spent and where do you see the business going over the next few years? Um, yeah, definitely on the innovation. I am focused on a couple of new products right now. I really want or subsafe, whether you own a cooler or you just purchased a cooler, I want us to be your next stop. So in just creating products that make the outdoor lifestyle easier. And um, we have some really cool stuff coming this year. And then also, you know, a lot of a lot of what subsafe is known for is for sub sandwiches, and it's just no longer that. It's it's for all food, it's for all shapes, all sizes, drinkware, it is um, just you know, basically anything. So now that we have these combo packs ready for retail, we fit into a lot more avenues now. Um, you know, whereas a big box might have said, eh, we don't really see that working for us. Now it's a completely different genre and it's a different aisle, it's a different category. Um, so yeah, growing our retail um, from just the sub counters at public and, you know, that niche to, you know, big box. Have you thought about changing the name or do you just, you're going to have the different word safe uh, for each product? Cause I mean, the challenge probably is you've built some equity into this name. Now it's been on national television, but you've got all these cool ideas that aren't subs. So I'm just curious where you land on that. And I'm sure it's a, it's a really tough decision. It is so tough. And it's funny because when you brought up Mark um, hating our name, he still hates our name, just for the record. <laughs> and, um, we've had so many conversations and he's like, well, why don't we just call it food safe or 
And I'm like, well, we have drinkware too. And then he's like, well, he comes up with something even worse. And I'm like, no, Mark, that's not it either. <laughs> but I, so to answer your question, we don't know yet. Um, I do see a rebrand happening in the next 12 months. But as for right now, we everything is just snack safe, drink safe, sub safe. We are just continuing with that. Um, but it hasn't, the perfect name has not ascended from the heavens yet and I refuse to rebrand until it does so we'll get it it will probably be one of our customers who will come up with it <laughs> yeah we'll uh, we'll put our thinking caps on and uh, where where you know where can people find the products what's the best place to go I'm assuming your website uh, and and what are they gonna find there just give us the overall catalog again because you've mentioned pretty much everything I think now but just lay out what all you have so people know what you have and then where the best place for them to go is definitely definitely our website anytime you are um, able to go direct to a website especially for small business you should always do that I know that Amazon is really convenient and I can be very um, guilty of that myself and um, but Yes, direct to our website, which is thesubsafe.com. Um, so we offer our original subsafes. We offer combo packs with all the accessories. We sell the accessories separate. So we have the extra cap, the drinking lid, and the strap. And then we have uh, multiple combo packs. So we call it the Pro Pack. And it has four subsafes and all the accessories that you need. And then we also have Wine Safe, which is uh, for transport both open and un unopened wine in the cooler. It includes a koozie, which maintains the temperature of the wine up to three hours. And it includes a reusable rubber stopper. So you can use it in the cooler. You can use it outside of the cooler. Um, it's great for picnics and bringing home wine, unfinished wine from a restaurant or from a friend's house. Um, so that's why I think it's in completely different colors than Subsafe. It's rose gold and black and silver. Um, and then we also just launched Subsafe Squared, which is our Subsafe for Square Sandwiches. And social media, because I'm sure that you guys kill it on social media and have all kinds of cool stuff. What are the best places, which platforms, and then what are your uh, names so folks can find you there? We are at the handle Subsafe Co. Co. And yes. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, give us a follow, you know, a like, a follow, a share goes a really long way. Um, I always tell friends and family, like, even if this is not your thing, even if you don't pack a cooler and go outside, just sharing and liking and commenting always helps with the algorithm and, and um, just it's really beneficial for us. Well, you, uh, especially you, but Adam too, are both awesome. <laughs> we, we so appreciate, we so appreciate you uh, being on uh, outside the tank and uh, great, great information, great advice for entrepreneurs. And uh, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I know all the listeners of outside the tank will be supporting the great stuff that you're doing. And we can't wait for all of the awesome products that you have in queue. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We're back. Joe, what'd you learn? Post game is my favorite game. I have two or three items. Let's hear them. And um, one of the things that I took away is that you don't need to uh, invent a brand new category, even a brand new product. They were simply trying to make a product that existed. We could think of Tupperware. 
and they were just trying to make it better and adapt it uh, to a specific uh, food product. Uh, so we, we don't always need to come up with something that there isn't a, uh, uh, a product or competitor for. We could take a category, product category, and sometimes build a slightly better mousetrap, kind of like what you and I are doing in another business that we own. Yes. <laughs> so I like that. So I like the idea of looking out there and saying, do I have an idea that could make a product or a service line better? So I like that. Um, they also had to figure out how to manage inventory. This is very, very important. Uh, I've had many failures in my entrepreneurial career. You've had very few because you're still... I've had plenty of failures. <laughs> you're still quite young. Maybe maybe there's one more failure. I know there's one more success because we're partners, but um, I had a failure early in my career. I manufactured clothing uh, under my own label in Los Angeles, and I mismanaged inventory, and I didn't know how critical it was and it wound up we did very well until we weren't doing well anymore. And uh, inventory got out of control. I had to go get a factoring agreement for my accounts receivable and the juice, the interest on the factoring agreement almost killed my business. And in fact, it did us enough harm that I stepped away and sold whatever was remaining of the company and got out of there paying off all my creditors but taking no money out of the business. So if you have a business with inventory, you must work lean, you must manufacture your product just in time. A big lesson for those that have to manage inventory. <clears throat> I also like that there was some awareness on their part about being, uh, I, I think Desiree mentioned that she was a little bit of a control freak and she had to learn how to let go. And that's so critical. We hear that uh, again and again from people that have learned that lesson, that have that acuity. So if you are, if you do have a tendency to be a control freak, learn how to let go a little bit at a time until you become a lot better. I've actually, over the last few years working with you, I've become better at letting go because I have a great partner that I know will take care of everything. So now I actually just delegate everything to you and take half the week off. And I've become, <laughs> I, I, no, but seriously, I appreciate you saying that. And I've, I've become a lot better at nodding my head and listening. <laughs> it's the only way to go. That's it? You're That's done? It. I'm done. My turn. Uh, don't compare yourself to others. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's dangerous in any walk of life. Yeah. But, you know, just let's just take the entrepreneurial game, for instance. Well, someone's going to be smarter than you. Someone's going to be richer than you. Someone's going to have a bigger win than you. Somebody's going to raise more money than you. Just, you, you can't do that. You can't sit there on LinkedIn going, oh, well, gosh, look at me. I'm just, you know, trying to figure these things out and so-and-so's killing it and so-and-so's killing it. First of all, it's unhealthy to do it, so don't do it. Second of all, you don't know what's actually going on there, okay? And be careful what you wish for because some people that project their you know feelings and success to be one thing aren't necessarily doing that I re, or I they're re, sacrificing in one uh, area of their life or something else i remember a lesson uh from my father who who god bless him he's in in heaven watching over all of us but his nickname was buzz and i was talking about a salesperson who was doing better and killing it and i i probably sounded very envious to him and he said you know 
not everyone is doing as well as you think they are. And if you see someone failing, they may be failing forward or learning lessons. So it's not always as good as you think it is. It's not always as bad as you think it is. But yeah, that's a, a great note. And I had a note also, c compare and contrast. Um, Comparison could could be a, a, a real evil, so you got to be careful. Absolutely. I wrote down a quote I heard, which was, "I just listen to my customers." Sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Just listen and ask for feedback. Read reviews. Um, I love you know some of the gritty entrepreneurs we talk to uh, that'll say, "Yeah, while I'm in my commute home, I listen in on sales calls uh, or customer service calls, or I'll just pick up the phone and take some of them." I mean, that's what you have to do. Boots on the ground, market research. You know, and, and too many companies, you sit in the C-suite, you make these decisions and you're not using the product or you're not talking to customers. Uh, you know, what's the fan experience <laughs> at an NFL game? Well, you got to sit in, you know, 453, uh, row F, seat six and seven right in the middle. That's how you figure it out. Not sitting in the private box, eating your third crab cake, so they, drinking a martini. They used to call it management by walking around. But now that there's so many remote key employees and, and the workforce is, has gone virtual to some degree, now how do we do it? How do we do it? And you have to make sure to figure out a mechanism to, you know, again, whether it's reading customer reviews or picking up the phone or shadowing, whatever it might be. Um, I like this. So, you know, for these types of brands, okay, and I don't know what the definition would be, but customers are everything. And, you know, I, I think sometimes you have to just, that's the, the puck. You, you talk about that sometimes, following the puck. And it's to me, that's the puck you're following is who is our customer? What do they want? What are they saying? What other, because that was another thing we talked about is growing the product line. What other products or services could we potentially sell to them, provide them, add on to what we're doing? And, you know, you think of some of the best brands out there. You think of stuff like this where it was a product and then it became a brand. How does that happen? It happens by being hyper-focused on really understanding your customer. Because once you understand that, then you know, well, Joe is our customer. Okay, well, what else in this area would Joe use or would potentially purchase or add into his shopping cart? And if you're not talking to a customer and asking those questions, you don't learn uh, they might have said, a customer might have said to Desiree or Adam, I sure, you know, the Subsafe is a great product that you guys make. I sure wish I had one of these for my bottle of wine that I'm throwing in the cooler. So WineSafe uh, was, I think, a secondary product that they're in development or probably uh, uh, in the market with now. So I think you have to ask those questions. And I think this is a recurring theme with especially Shark Tank alumni. They seem to be very, very keyed into getting customer feedback. So just a recurring theme that we think is so critical. Yeah, so the customer thing and then understanding the customer well enough to take a product-based business into a brand-based business where we've diversified our revenue streams and kept the customer longer and sold more per ticket. And that's, again, that's that's so critical. But you don't do that if your target market is like this or you're not even really sure what it is. Yeah, vertical integration. <laughs> 
All right. Another great episode. It was. Uh, go get a sub safe. Uh, get a sandwich. Put the sandwich in the sub safe. Go put, on a boat. Go on a boat. Go put the a sandwich in the cooler. <laughs> but make sure you eat a great product. Uh, great entrepreneurs. Desiree is awesome. Great interview. Enjoyed it. We'll see you next week on an all-new episode of Outside, Outside the, the Tank. tank.